This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susie G. The Consolation of Philosophy by Anicus Manila Severinus Boethius. Translated by H. R. James. Book 4, Section 3, and Song 3. Kirky's Cup. Thou seest, then, in what foulness unrighteous deeds are sunk, with what splendor righteousness shines, whereby it is manifest that goodness never lacks its reward, nor crime its punishment. For, verily, in all manner of transactions, that for the sake of which the particular action is done, may justly be accounted the reward of that action, even as the wreath, for the sake of which the race is won, is the reward offered for running. Now, we have shown happiness to be that very good, for the sake of which all things are done. Absolute good, then, is offered as the common prize, as it were, of all human actions. But, truly, this is a reward from which it is impossible to separate the good man, for one who is without good cannot properly be called good at all, wherefore righteous dealing never misses its target. Rage the wicked, then, never so violently. The crown shall not fall from the head of the wise, nor wither. Verily, other men's unrighteousness cannot pluck from righteous souls their proper glory. Were the reward in which the soul of the righteous delighteth received from without, then might it be taken away by him who gave it, or some other. But since it is conferred by his own righteousness, then only will he lose his prize when he has ceased to be righteous. Lastly, since every prize is desired because it is believed to be good, who can account him who possesses good to be without reward? And what a prize! the fairest and grandest of all. For remember the corollary which I chiefly insisted on a little while back, and reason thus. Since absolute good is happiness, tis clear that all the good must be happy for the very reason that they are good. But it was agreed that those who are happy are gods. So, then, the prize of the good is one which no time may impair, no man's power lessen, no man's unrighteousness tarnish. Tis very godship. And this being so, the wise men cannot doubt that punishment is inseparable from the bad. For, since good and bad, and likewise reward and punishment, are contraries, it necessarily follows that, corresponding to all that we see accrue as reward of the good, there is some penalty attached as punishment of evil. As, then, righteousness itself is the reward of the righteous, so wickedness itself is the punishment of the unrighteous. Now, no one who is visited with punishment doubts that he is visited with evil. Accordingly, if they were but willing to weigh their own case, could they think themselves free from punishment whom wickedness, worst of all evils, has not only touched, but deeply tainted? 
see also, from the opposite standpoint, the standpoint of the good, what a penalty attends upon the wicked. Thou didst learn a little, since that whatever is, is one, and that unity itself is good. Accordingly, by this way of reckoning, whatever falls away from goodness ceases to be, whence it comes to pass that the bad cease to be what they were, while only the outward aspect is still left to show they have been men. Wherefore, by their perversion to badness, they have lost their true human nature. Further, since righteousness alone can raise men above the level of humanity, it must needs be that unrighteousness degrades below man's level those whom it has cast out of man's estate. It results, then, that thou canst not consider him human whom thou seest transformed by vice. The violent despoiler of other men's goods, inflamed with covetousness, surely resembles a wolf, a bold and restless spirit, ever wrangling in law courts, is like some yelping cur. The secret schemer, taking pleasure in fraud and stealth, is own brother to the fox. The passionate man, frenzied with rage, we might believe to be animated with the soul of a lion. The coward and runaway, afraid where no fear is, may be likened to the timid deer, he who is sunk in ignorance and stupidity lives like a dull ass. He who is light and inconstant, never holding long to one thing, is for all the world like a bird. He who wallows in foul and unclean lusts is sunk in the pleasures of a filthy hog. So it comes to pass that he who by forsaking righteousness ceases to be a man cannot pass into a godlike condition but actually turns into a brute beast. Song 3, Kirky's Cup The Ithacan discreet, and all his storm-tossed fleet, far over the ocean wave the winds of heaven drave, drave to the mystic isle, where dwelleth in her guile that fair and faithless one, the daughter of the sun. There for the stranger crew, with cunning spells, she knew to mix the enchanted cup. For whoso drinks it up must suffer hideous change to monstrous shapes and strange. One like a boar appears, this his huge form uprears, mighty in bulk and limb, an Afric lion, grim with claw and fang. Confessed a wolf, this, sore distressed when he would weep, doth howl, and, strangely tame, these prowl the Indian tiger's mates. And though in such sore straits the pity of the god who bears the mystic rod had power the chieftain brave from her fell arts to save, his comrades, unrestrained, the fatal goblet drained, all now with low bent head like swine on acorns fed. Man's speech and form were reft, no human feature left. But steadfast still, the mind, unaltered, unresigned, the monstrous change bewailed. How little, then, availed the potencies of ill. These herbs, this baneful skill, may change each outward part, but cannot touch the heart. In its true home, deep set, 
man's spirit liveth yet. Those poisons are more fell, more potent to expel man from his high estate, with subtlety penetrate, and leave the body whole, but deep infect the soul. End of Book 4, Section 3, and Song 3, Kirky's Cup.